0: Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Radcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. Tonight, I want to start off with a story. In around August 2010, the pictures will come up behind me, Uh, I'm going to just read the excerpt from the newspaper. Thousands of motorists found themselves stranded on Tuesday in what looks like a 50-lane parking lot on the Beijing-Hong Kong Expressway. One of the country's busiest roads, this is in China, and some were dubbing this traffic jam a carpocalypse or a Carmageddon. Do we have that picture? Up on We don't have that picture. Okay, basically, if you go home tonight or get out your phones and basically type in Beijing traffic jam, and basically it's a picture of 50 cars wide trying to get into 20 lanes, and it stretched for 120 kilometers and lasted 12 days. Who knows there's some infrastructure issues there, but that's not what this message is about. That's basically going from City Point North to City Point Ipswich. That's how long the traffic jam was, and it lasted 12 days, and basically people saw this as an opportunity. There were vendors that came out from local stores and started trying to bully motorists into trying to buy water for like, it's like going to Suncorp, like $10 for a bottle of water, and they would threaten them if they didn't buy it, and uh, it's pr- quite, the, uh, quite the thing to see. And basically, my message tonight is called Traffic Jams and Stable Mangers. And basically, you might think, well, what does that mean? I'm glad you asked. We're about to go into it today. But basically, what does a Chinese traffic jam have to do with a stable manger? And tonight, we're going to look at some characters in the Bible. But before we do that, I don't know if you guys have ever read your Bibles, but there's four Gospels at the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And basically, they're all different. And, and the, the cool thing about it is, is that I look at those four Gospels, and each writer and each person is totally different. The way they write, the, way, the perspective that they write from, how they write, the things they put in there, none of them are the same, but they all point to the same thing, and that is that Jesus is needed by every single person on the right. face of the planet. Right, and the cool thing also about that is, as I look at all the interns that lined up here tonight, you know, the, back when we did internship, it was just the, uh, the leaving high schoolers, like that was the stereotypical one, like, oh, I want to just work for church or hang out or just, you know, kind of, I remember, no, word of a lie, Ben Cherry running one of our locations, 10 years ago, I started an internship, and I was married at the time, and I was sitting there, and he came in late, and Pastor Tim, our West location pastor, asked him for his assignment, and he took a Red Frogs duffel bag, flipped it upside down, and just all the mess and junk came out, and then he unscrumpled a piece of paper and handed his assignment. No word of a lie. That's the truth. It was shock and horror for me, and now he's running our location, but that's because that was the beginning, and now you're seeing the fruit. So interns, no matter where you started, God's got something for you. And keep your cars clean and your bedroom's tidy. Um, You've got to start with the small, right? But basically, the, when I look at these writers and how they wrote, it says to me that God's interested in you being you. He's interested in you being different. He's not looking for the same. None of the Bible writers are the same. They're all different, but they all point to the same thing. No matter how you look, your intras, your outras, your instapos, whatever you do, your loudness, your weirdness, God is interested in you and what you have to bring to the table. And so tonight, we're going to look at some characters That, um, because it's Christmas, right, we're going to look at the Christmas story. Don't worry, I won't bring out the felt board. Who remembers the felt board? Does anyone here remember felt boards? Yep. Yep. Just two of you. Excellent. Okay. Some of us didn't go to Sunday school as much as we did. I love a good felt board. Actually, I should have brought one. That would be been awesome. Basically, we can look at the five characters, and the three things I want you to remember is you either have to identify, you can either identify with them, identify someone in your world that's like them, or a bit of both. And so tonight we're going to start off and we're going to read some scriptures tonight. Is that cool? Right. We're going to read the Bible, Bible-believing Christians here on Super Point Redcliffe. Okay. Our first set of characters are the shepherds. So in Luke 2, verse 8 to 20, it goes like this. Now there were the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which... ...will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Saviour who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel with a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying... ...Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them in heaven that the shepherds said to one another... ...let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with the haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told to them concerning this child, that all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things, pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told to them. My first thought for you this morning is, when was the last time you were interrupted by God? Who knows that those angels were just, what is it, regular night, just there, you know, around the fire, watching the sheep, in the background. I kind of think of a picture of like a a green New Zealand kind of hill with lots of sheep hanging around there. Probably like, hey, Brew, what's going on? Oh, there's an angel there, Brew. Sorry, I don't mean to offend. I love Kiwis, like, secretly. That's why I'm all in black tonight. Um, But basically, they were just hanging out. They were just doing their thing. And all of a sudden, and, uh, the heavens open up, and the angels come. When was the last time you were actually interrupted by God? One. And when was the last time you interrupted someone else's eternity for God? Wow. Wow. You know, we come to church every week, and we bring our kids, and you know, you're like, "Oh, gosh, the kids are dropped off. I can breathe." You know, some of us are like that. Some of us are like, oh, "It's just church, you know, nine to five, tick, fantastic, off you go." But I want to challenge you tonight: Is that when was the last time you were interrupted? someone's eternity for God when was the last time you remember the awe and wonder yeah. that it was like to believe in Jesus because yeah, right. sometimes we become a little bit complacent and so my thought for you tonight is I look at this. In, I looked at this when I walked in and it caught my eye and it said I was an intern it made me think I'm like this for me was an interruption yeah. in a lot of ways it was a faith step to go God you know what I'm earning money and now I'm going to not earn money internships looked a little different back then and I was like you know what I'm going to allow God to interrupt me. And that moment led to where I am right now. Imagine those key moments in your life if you hadn't let God interrupt you. Yeah. What would your life look like? I remember that very moment. It was, it was at Carondale and I was standing sort of on this side of the, the stage and I was, Pastor Tim was leading at the time and he came up to me in my vision. I had this vision of him coming up to me going, I want you to lead tonight. And I said, I'm not ready. And that very moment was God going, I need you to be ready for what I'm calling you to, imagine coming across a moment where God interrupts you, and you're not ready to take that with both hands. And so tonight, my thought is, who are you interrupting for Jesus to bring the awe and wonder? Because those shepherds could have just been just regular shepherds. They might not have been Jewish. They might have just been regular guys. But God stepped into them, going, "I need you to tell everybody about my son being born tonight." And so He came, and He interrupted them. And so for you tonight, are you allowing God to interrupt you? Regular intervals, and you're not just cruising through life. And who are you interrupting for God tonight? Right up. Right up. Second set of characters. The wise men. Classic wise men. Matthew 2. I looked at this message when we was praying, and I was just like, I hope this isn't too much scripture, but, you know, this is the story, and I want you to just look at it from a different perspective. Like Matthew 2, 1 to 12. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all uh, Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." With Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Basically, there's a lot of theology around this. I won't go into it because I remember Pastor Tim preached the series a while ago about what the wise men were and where they came from. And their their, um, descendancy goes all the way back to Daniel's time with um, those people around Babylon. But basically the wise men knew that this was coming, their, their stars and their, their, their scrolls and everything were telling that their, when the star appeared, it would mean something. And so this next interruption for their life is that how many times do we rely on our wisdom and knowledge purely that and not what God imparts to us? Yeah, right. And so I remember my uncle, he, was, um, he believed God, but he didn't believe in God. And I never couldn't figure out why, but that's because he had all this head knowledge. He knew scripture, he knew his verses, he knew everything, but I never transitioned from head knowledge to heart knowledge. And so for my thought for tonight, for this is, is when do you let your head get in the way of your heart? Once again, we've got the internship. All the facts, all the figures, all the the, the prices, and, and all those things can get in the way of your obedience to God. And I look at this, and the the Magi or the wise men actually brought offerings that fulfilled a prophecy. They brought gold, which is fit for a king. They brought frankincense, which is the priesthood of the Messiah. And they brought myrrh for the embalming of bodies and the fragrant perfume. It was for the king who was the Messiah who was to be buried and born and died for us one day. And so what gifts and offerings are you bringing to Jesus that will fulfill the prophetic in your life and that will become your testimony? So God gave you those gifts and you need to bring them to Jesus to make a difference. You need to bring them to Jesus to bring interruption around your life, around your heart, around your mind. And here's a thought, is that your gifts and abilities are only as good as your expectation of them and the use of wisdom to develop them, all the while remembering the one who imparted them. My expectation for my life has always been, I believe, for Je- I believe in Jesus for the things I can't see. So we look at the horizon, we can't see past and immediate future and it takes faith to take a step out to somewhere that you cannot see it, other than being obedient to God. And I don't believe you can fully be obedient by relying purely on your own wisdom and knowledge, is that God wants to interrupt some people in this house to go bigger and to go greater. And sometimes you've got to move your head out of the way and go, God, I'm going to give you my heart, I'm going to bring you what I've got. And who knows, the best place to bring what God has given you is in His house. It shouldn't just be in His house. You come and you develop and you grow and you serve, and then you go out to bring interruption to other people. There's plenty of people out there who know a lot about God, who know Jesus and the church, but it might just be you that they see the true meaning of God and the true nature, because, oh, the church is this or the church is that, but you might be that person that comes and you bring your godly wisdom and your godly gifts into their life. And so when was the last time your expectation was big enough to interrupt your life so that it would propel you forward into what God has called you to? The wise men, knowledge and wisdom is the second set of characters. The third one, we kind of touched on this third one, It's the bad guy, the Herod. This one's interesting for me. When I read about Herod, who knows that he was scared of a baby? I'm I'm particularly scared of little people that wake you up and punch you. Like when I started kids ministry, I used to wear a box because Pastor Tim's kids used to punch me right in the man business every time I saw them. But he was scared of a child that was literally just born. And so my thought for you is Herod had jealousy and hatred around his life, and we're called to bring generosity and kindness. And so far we've looked at two sets of characters who sought out Jesus because of a sign or a wonder, but he seeks out Jesus because of jealousy and hatred. And so Matthew 2, 16 to 18, it says, Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and he set forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all of its districts who were two years old and younger, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was the then was fulfilled that was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah lamentation, weeping, and great mourning for Rachel, weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. So he gets jealous and he gets angry and he wipes out almost a whole generation because of jealousy and anger. Who knows that with our words, if we're not careful with our actions, we can bring jealousy and hatred and wipe out the potential for someone to meet Jesus? Wow. Who knows that your interruption isn't just. Positive, that if you react a certain way or you say something a certain way to someone that is this close to meeting Jesus, who knows that you could have interrupted them for the wrong reason wow. and into the wrong direction. So is that your jealousy and hatred is something to be thought of, that you could be so fearful of something that's so small and so insignificant and you could wipe out the potential for so many people to, yeah. be, ch- to be saved. Yeah, wow. I wasn't planning on saying this, but my wife, I, we used to work in Maccas. That's where we met. And I don't know why she went for me because... Maybe because I used to be able to use a mop. And then she's like, oh, I could use that. But I was 18. I was 15. She's like, a man that can work. Excellent. It can clean. I was 15. And I met Emily. And I asked her out. She rejected me the first time. Which is, yeah, you know, whatever. She let me down easy. So that's good. She cared. Um, But I went, you know what? This is not okay. I will rectify the situation. And I will interrupt again. And I asked her out again. And she said yes. And it went like this. I went, so... We were standing at the drive-thru, by the way, because we used to... Who remember those, those rings, the burger rings from Macca's like 10 years ago, and the green and blue, white striped uniforms? That was us. And I said, if I was older, would you go out with me? And she said, who, why do you have to be older? So I was like, oh, yes, I'm in. So she said yes. And um, she wasn't saved at the time, which some people think, ooh, watch out. But she wasn't saved. The whole family wasn't saved. And I went, you know what? I really believe that I need to marry this woman. She got saved. We got married at 18. She took me off the market, which was awesome for her and for everybody else. She's like, I have to have him. So she took me. We got married at 19. We're married for 14 years next Tuesday, which is fantastic. But you know what? I'm not saying you have to go out and marry someone to interrupt their life. But since then, her brother and her sister have both come to know Jesus. So there's only her mum and dad and her other sister that we're kind of working on still. But who knows that that right there was a timeline an interruption in someone's timeline that now they will spend eternity with Jesus. Yeah. You know, your biggest promises will always attract your greatest trials and troubles. Yeah. Is that when you go out for God, when you go out to interrupt, you're going to get hammered a little bit. Is that people... Jesus says that people will hate you because of me. Yeah. He says in Matthew 10, 21 and 23, Now brother will deliver up brother to death and a father his children, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you'll be hated for all my name's sake. But he who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in the city, flee to another. For assuredly I say to you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Yeah. That's what we're called to live. People will literally and metaphorically hate us. And that's what we're called to live. Is that I believe, you look at social media, you look at the project, please tell me no you know this... Room watches the Project, you see all these things on TV and they, you think people think the church is this or the church is that. You know what I honestly think? I think they might think that, but I believe that even someone who hates the church, if you went up to them and gave them a food hamper, who knows that you've interrupted their life. I love our food hampers. I said this the other day on Carinelle stage and I kind of got a bit of mixed reactions. I love our food hampers more than our Christmas production. People are like, ooh, ooh, watch out. All the creative people like, kiss, kiss. that I love it, you know why? You literally, because part of my role is operations. People are like, what does that mean? It means everything that moves, I keep moving. Everything that's not supposed to move, I stop moving. I know, that guy over there, he loves it. (laughs) The the intern was the operations facility guy. I'm like, yes, rock and roll. Um, But basically, you take food, you put it in a red bag, people come to church, you put it in their house on Christmas Day. You've interrupted someone's Christmas Day with the hope of Jesus. Even if they never come to church, they go, you know what? In my darkest hours, I remember when the church came into my home and blessed my family. That's what we're called to be. No matter whether they hate you or love you, you turn the other cheek. Jesus says, flee that town. In our terms, don't pack up your house if your neighbor hates you. You love them and you turn the other cheek and you keep blessing and praying for them. That's what we've got to do, church, to interrupt someone else's life. So good. The fourth set of characters is Joseph and Mary. Obedience and faithfulness. Oh, it's getting deep. So basically... We'll read... We've got those next three scriptures up. Just for the uh, sake of time, I just want to read a couple of the end parts of these scriptures. Mary meets with the angels, and basically at the end of each one of these scriptures, as it goes from Mary being told she's going to have Jesus, to Jesus being born, to them moving, each one of these scriptures, there's a prophecy or something prophetic tied to the end of them. And I'll just read you the prophetic part just for the sake of time. In Matthew... 1, 8, uh, 1, Matthew 1, 23, it says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. Matthew 2, verse 15, And there was... Um, sorry. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed from Egypt, and, there was, and was there until the death of Herod, that he might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I call my son. Matthew 2, um, sorry, jumping ahead, 23, and he says, and he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. Is that, you know what? I look at internship just as an example because it's practical, is that this is a moment of obedience. Yeah. Who knows that the, the, the parable of the talents is that all one of those servants were obedient. They took their master's money. Yeah. But who knows it's not enough just to be obedient in the kingdom of God. God calls you to something high. He calls you to just faithfulness as yeah. well. Is that yes, I'll do internship, but who knows you can do internship really badly? We don't have any of those interns here, no. but it can be done really badly. Is that your obedience isn't just once off, it's continued faithfulness. Yes, you can be obedient with your family or your finances, but if you're not faithful with them, who knows, it can, it can turn pretty ugly pretty fast. And I look at these things that Mary and Joseph did, is that they had faithfulness with what they were obedient to. Yeah, right. Is that they were faithful with Jesus? It wasn't just obedience. Yes, we'll take Jesus we'll hang out with him and he'll be our kid. No, no, it's like we're obedient and then we were still obedient to when God called us to move. We were still obedient to take him. We were still obedient returning to Nazareth because God, we kept ourselves flexible and we kept ourselves faithful to what you called with. You know, obedience is a big deal. It's not easy to be obedient to anything. We live in a world where it's just you can move and change and whatever you want, whenever you want. Obedience is a big deal. Obedience is your responsibility. The outcome is God's. And if God has called you to it, he will cover you for it. He's not going to let you step out and not catch you. He's like, if you're going to be faithful in something, God will show up. I heard it said that if it's his will, it's his bill. So when was the last time you are obedient enough to bring interruption? Like I said, the internship, I remember when I first started my, I've got two degrees I've studied since internship every one of those studies was an obedience call. Out of that be ready moment, when God interrupted my eternity and he went, I need you to be ready for me, every one of those things required faithfulness and obedience, continually and perpetually, always. We never graduate, we never finish, we never arrive, we're always trying to grow and be faithful in the things that God's called us to be. And the last character, and the one that's probably the hardest to talk about, is Jesus. Um, Obviously the pinnacle of the, the key part of the Christmas story <laughs> kind of awkward if there's no Jesus in the uh, Christmas story but um, humility and servanthood to be born in a stable, placed in a manger amongst animals and in the lowest of situations to give up heavenly royalty to give up everything that he had, to walk through the very worst was the greatest example of humility and servanthood Matthew, uh, 1 John three sixteen to 18 says by this we know love because he laid down his life for us and we also ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. But whoever has his world's, good, but whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Is that God's called us to be servants and humbly serving our fellow man? And I look at these four characters and when I was trying to sum them, I'm Like, how do I sort of wrap all these together? I looked at it. And I went, well, the shepherds can be those people that are just content with their lives, that are around our homes, our workplaces. And we're, calling, we're called to bring God's awe and wonder to them. They might just be going on their normal lives. Imagine if you just interrupted someone. Who the, who that, who's that person around your world? The wise men could be the, the wise and the wealthy of the world, the ones full of knowledge, the ones who think they don't need Jesus. But God's calling us to live out his godly expectation of wisdom through our faith and through our works. And Herod is our enemies, the ones who seek to harm us. I encourage you to pray for your enemies. Pray for the ones that come against you to show them mercy and grace and kindness. And then we have the Marys and the Josephs, the people that are currently sitting around us, the ones who believe, the ones who are, are called. And I think for us, we need the most prayer because we've got targets on our backs when we're going for God. You know, We've got things that are coming against us continually. And I pray that the people in this room continue to live that obedience and faithful life for God, never becoming complacent. And lastly, we should always seek to reflect the life of Jesus through humility and servanthood. You know what? Where you are right now is great. But if you were the same place, 12 months from now, it's probably not that good. Or even five years time, it's probably worse. Is that I would love to come back in 12 months time and see the room twice as full. People are like, oh, I remember that message you preached. I've done this and this and this. That's what even standing up here is for. It's like when I finish the message, people are like, oh, good good word, good preach. That's nice. I don't really need encouragement. What I need is like, that message spoke to me. I'm going to go do this. This is the person that I'm going to interrupt. When you walk out of this room, I want you to have thought of one person. Who are you going to interrupt? Because we are called to elevate people through our position, not use people to elevate our position God's calling us to interrupt some people tonight and lastly at all times preach the gospel and sometimes if necessary use words that our lives should be living sacrifices always to those around us and so tonight the correlation between a traffic jam and the birth of Christ is interruption who are you interrupting and are you allowing God to interrupt you today today so through this Christmas season into 2020, how are you planning to interrupt people's lives for Jesus and how are you positioning your life to be interrupted by God? Let's pray. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message empowers you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We would love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We're so excited to see you there.